0: To the Journey podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Sweet. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, there was a little bit of excitement there. I like it. Um, So before we jump in tonight, I just wanted to talk to you guys uh, for a second um, about what's coming like in the future um, for Becca and I, right? And so uh, tonight is going to be the last Tuesday night gathering that I'm going to preach at uh, because if if you haven't figured out yet or if we haven't told you or you haven't gotten to talk with us yet, Becca and I are moving on August 8th, which is crazy because that's like less than two months away and it seems like it was like a year away yesterday, um, but it's actually like 40-something days away. So that's crazy. Um, But this will be my last Tuesday night gathering to preach at. We're still going to be here hanging out with you guys, uh, worshiping with you guys, fellowshipping with you guys and stuff like that up until we move. but this will be the last time uh, that that I uh, bring the word. Um, and so yeah, we're gonna be moving to Wisconsin in August for training in preparation to move to Thailand at the new year. Um, if that's something you guys wanna know more about, if you wanna ask questions, if you are just curious, or if you just wanna hang out with us, probably mostly Becca, before we move, then shoot a text to one of us. She's definitely the more fun out of the two of us and the nicest by far out of the two of us. So yeah, if you guys, I see JT shrugging his shoulders like he's not lying. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to hang out with us, if you guys want to see us, if you guys want to learn more about us moving to Thailand or anything, make sure you guys reach out to us before we move. Like I said, August 8th. So we'll be here for about another month and a half still. So reach out. We'd love to hang out, get coffee, get lunch, get dinner, something like that with, uh, with anybody who, who wants to. So we're more than open to that. And so um, I was just thinking a, a couple minutes ago when I was sitting over there trying to think back to the first time that I preached at a Tuesday night gathering, um, which I don't think it was on Thursdays then. I think it had been on Tuesdays then still. It was still on Tuesdays. Brain is shaking his head back there. Um, so yeah, it was still on Tuesdays, uh, but I, yeah, I remember just as uh, whenever I was an intern, I got the chance to preach and just all of the cool things and all of the, the stuff that has happened um, since then. And so I, I thought it was fitting that we're talking about self-control tonight, and it's going to take a lot of self-control for me not to cry during this sermon, even though I'm not a crier. Um, I'm, I'm very sad and, and uh, going gonna to definitely miss getting to hang out with you guys and, and, um, and, and chat with you guys. Um, but with that being said, I didn't want to take a lot of time on that We're going to jump in um, tonight. Have you guys, raise your hand for me if you guys have ever seen the social media videos of parents who put like candy on a plate in front of their little kids and like test their self-control to see if they eat it or not. Raise your hand if you've seen that. Okay, I'd say most of us. If you haven't, you're about to see your first one. Um, So guys, put up here real quick. This one's my favorite one that I've ever seen. A little bit of background behind this, if we can pause it before we play it real quick. So this little adorable girl here is Indy, um, and that is Kat's daughter. Kat works here um, in the... uh, Uh, like business and media administrative offices over here. Um, And she's really good at what she does. But this is Indy. We'll see if we can restart this in just a second uh, with some some volume. Um, So yeah, but watch it. It's really adorable. I think you guys are going to really like it. A little upset there. (laughs) So, like I said, that's Indy. That's Kat's daughter. Thank you, Kat, for letting me use uh, the adorable video of your little girl. Um... But the reason why I wanted to show that to you guys tonight is at the beginning of it, right? So I know that we didn't quite see the very beginning of it. But at the beginning of it, Kat puts the plate down and she says, okay, you cannot eat this candy. I'm, I'll be right back. And when I get back, you can eat it. And Indy goes, mm-hmm. She said, okay, so you're not going to eat the candy. And as she's saying that, Indy reaches and picks up the two pieces of candy and says, mm-hmm. And Kat's like, no, you can't eat that candy. What, what are you doing? Why are you trying to eat that candy? I just told you you couldn't. And she says, mm-hmm. And she still like goes to eat and she's like, Indy, no. And then that's where we picked up, right? And you can even see Indy's like thought process behind it. At one minute, she kind of leans and she's like, oh no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't get that. I was told not to. And then she kind of like shrugs her shoulders and looks to the side where in the realization where she's like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want. I have no self-control in this minute. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to grab that candy and I'm going to eat it. And that minute, or that, that video goes on for about another minute longer. And what we don't see is towards the end of the video, she's very dissatisfied with what the candy tastes like. So she eats the candy, um, and she actually, she, as she has it in her mouth, she blames it on her brother, Roro. Um, and she's like, who, who ate that candy? And she said, Roro ate it. And so, uh, but it's, it's really cute. But she, she regrets it, it seems, because the candy was not as good as what she thought it would be, right? It doesn't taste as good as she thought it would taste. And so why I showed that is, is it's funny and it's cute, right? Um, way funnier and way cuter than I am. Um, but I show you guys that because aren't we the exact same way, right? In our lives, don't we have candy, right? Sometimes it might be candy that you have no self-control over, but we have candy in front of us that we just wanna take and we just wanna grab and we just wanna eat it. Um, but we know that, that in the moment, we're not supposed to, right? And so for some of us, uh, that candy might be having four slices of cheesecake when you probably should have only had one. Um, For some of us, that might be sleeping up or staying up super late until 4 a.m. when you know you have to be at work at 7 a.m. the next morning. Um, That's not very good self-control. Sometimes for some of us, on a more serious note, maybe it's struggling with lust and with pornography. Um, Maybe it's struggling with boundaries with your significant other right? There's all kinds of things that could be this candy in our life. Man, we can't even get through uh, having a New Year's resolution without messing up because we have no self-control, right? You see, if you go to the gym regularly, maybe you're one of the people who goes to the gym for the first month of the New Year and then is out. Um, that is usually me, uh, except I don't even do that. So. <laughs> um, but man, if you go to the gym at the New Year, it's packed. You can't get on a machine. You can't do anything. You can, there's a line to get in. There's all kinds of stuff. All of the lockers are full. And about a month, you see that really start tapering off, right? People lose the motivation. They lose the self-control to continue to go to the gym or people who are on diets, right? They're like, okay, for breakfast in the morning, I'm going to eat a bowl of oats and blueberries with some yogurt. And for lunch, I'm going to have a salad uh, with a glass of water. And for dinner, I'm going to have three number twos from Whataburger, a large diet Coke and a milkshake. Good. That's exactly what you should do if you're having a diet, man. But we, as a society, as a people, we have no self-control, right? If you're really good at self-control, raise your hand. Liar if you do. So don't raise your hand. Um, But we, as a, as a people, right, as humans, inherently struggle with self-control. So I was thinking to myself, man, I was like, as I was preparing this, I was like, how can I um, come up here and provide something from the word of God, right? How can I come up here and preach a sermon on self-control whenever I go to a Tex-Mex restaurant for lunch and can't eat my lunch because I ate too many chips and salsa, which I actually don't even know if I trust you as a person. If you go to a Tex-Mex restaurant and can finish your whole plate because you weren't full on chips and salsa, you should reevaluate your life, Um <laughs> Chips and salsa are the best thing ever. But no, for real, I I, I literally, whenever I do, I I can't see a pint of ice cream and not eat the whole thing. I have no self-control. So how can I, Zach, Zach Calderon, how can I come up here and give a sermon on self-control whenever I struggle so badly with it all of the time? And so I was I was reading in the Word um, just about like areas where it talks about self control, right? And all of this comes from our root text of Galatians five, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This is the last um, sermon in that series, fruit of the Spirit that that Cole has been just absolutely killing the past couple weeks. <clears throat> and so I just I opened up and I started reading about what the Bible says about self-control. And pretty quickly, I figured out some really, really cool things about self-control that really put me at ease to be able to prepare the sermon. So first, what I want to do is I want you to open up to Galatians chapter 5, right? And we're going to be reading 18 through 23. So Galatians 5, 18 through 23. (coughs) Sorry, guys. And I'll, I'll read that really quick. So Galatians 5, 18 through 23. It says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, decessions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these such things, there are no law, right? And so as I read that, I came to a couple conclusions of of what the Bible, what scripture actually says about self-control. And so one of the things uh, that I wanted to point out is that obviously through this text, we can see that self-control is not just this standalone thing that we should do as Christians, but it's part of a greater whole of the fruit of the spirit, right? I read all of those, the, the fruit of the spirit, right? They all come as one. It's not like you just get one of those and you're like, man, I got one of the grapes. Now I need to get the apple and then the banana and then the blueberry. No, they all come together as one. And what, I, what, you, what you see further than that even is in, in verse 18, it says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, right? So if you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, so when we are in tune with the Spirit, that's when these things come upon us, right? It's not something that good old Zach here can muster up on his own strength. I can't snap my fingers one night and say, you know what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be really good at self-control. I'm going to get out of bed at 6 a.m. and go to the gym with no problem, that's, I don't just get to snap my fingers and, and think like that or snap my fingers and say, okay, you know what? Starting uh, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I'm not gonna struggle with lust ever again because I just, I, I'm gonna have good self-control now. That's, that's not how it works, right? But when we walk with the Spirit, when we are in tune with the Spirit, that's when we begin to, to, to receive these fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. It's not called the fruit of Zach. It's not called the fruit of Cole or Brandon or Becca. It's not called the fruit of Deb. It's not called any of that, right? It's it's called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason because it comes from the Spirit. It doesn't come from us. If that fruit came from us, that'd be some nasty, rotting fruit that had flies all over it that nobody wanted to eat. It's a brown banana's that's, that's what the fruit of Zach would be, right? But no, over here we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is good, but that we don't muster up on our own. We can't work so hard. We can't work hard enough for the fruit of the Spirit just to be on us. We have to realize that that only comes from being in step with Holy Spirit in our lives. Man, And so that encouraged me so much. Reading that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can talk about this now. Because it's not about how good I am at self-control, but rather it's about how good the spirit is through me at self-control, right? Because if you look at it as, I just need to, man, I need to get this down. I need to really get a grasp on self-control in my life. You're, you're gonna fail every single time and you're gonna just continue to, to fail and to fail and to fail because these uh, these fruit of the spirit were not meant for you to muster up alone. They were meant for you to through the Spirit, through walking with Holy Spirit to be able to to have these in your life as a reflection of who lives inside of you, being Holy Spirit. The only way we can obtain self-control is by walking with Holy Spirit. He stirs it up in us. It's not us. I know I've said that in like seven different ways in the past two minutes, but really that's so important because without that, the rest of what I have planned to say means nothing, right? Right? Even 2 Timothy reminds us that that it's given to us, right? That uh, it says, uh, for God gave us a spirit of self-control, right? It doesn't say that, well, because JT worked really, really hard, God decided to put self-control behind a bush and give him a treasure map and see if he could find it. No, that's not how it works. It says, for God gave us, right? It's a gift. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The passage goes on, another thing that's really cool, the passage goes on to, to say that there is no law against these things, right? There's no limit um, against these things. So when you're walking in this, if, if you're walking in peace, it's not like there's a peace police that's going to come up and say, actually, you know what? You're being a little too peaceful. Here's a ticket. You can't do that. There's not a peace police, right? You cannot love people too much. God doesn't look down at you and say, you know what, I think you're being a little bit too faithful today, guys. You need to tone that down a notch. Just can't be that faithful, right? Or wow, man, that unmarried couple, they had too much self-control whenever they did not sleep together. Right? That's not what happens. God does not look down at us and say, ooh, man, whenever he was at work the other day and he got yelled at by his customer for simply just doing his job and he held his tongue and just helped the customer with what he needed to do, that was too much self-control. He should have just screamed at him. Or man, whenever they went out to eat and there was a solid buffet at Golden Corral and, and they only ate as much as they should have. You know, they were full and they stopped. They should have kept on eating until they were sick to their stomach and threw up. No, it says that there are no law against these things. If you look at at Proverbs 25, 8, that's another scripture that we're gonna look at just really quickly tonight. Um, You don't have to turn there. It's just one verse, so I can tell you what it says. But it says, like a city without walls is a man without self-control, right? And so to us, that might kind of seem a little strange because in our heads, we think through, well, okay, well, Lubbock doesn't have walls, around us. But we also don't have to worry about Amarillo marching down at like 2 a.m. in the middle of the night with like torches, like ready to raid Lubbock and like overthrow like town hall or whatever, wherever our local government officials work out of. (laughs) Um, I don't know what it is, Um, but we don't have to worry about right or Amarillo or Abilene coming up or Midland or somebody. We don't have to worry about them coming and invading our town. So we don't have walls, but the concept behind that was for these cities back in the day, because they did have other towns, other cities, other nations trying to come in and to invade them on a regular basis, right? To pillage them, to destroy their houses, to, to kidnap them, to put them into slavery, to destroy their livestock, to, to steal everything, right? So they, this was a normal threat. And so these walls that were around a city were there in order for them to be able to control what comes in and out of their city right? They were able to see, okay, this person and these people came in with this stuff and they're leaving with this stuff, but they bought it at the market or whatever happened, or these people are coming in, they're staying there. So they were able to see who was coming in and out. That was the idea behind it, right? It was to protect them from outside forces that could potentially cause hurt and cause pain and all other sorts of issues. But if a city's walls were broken down, anything and everything was able to get in, right? It wasn't only the enemy that would be able to get in. So if somebody came in and destroyed a city's walls, they weren't only now worried about the enemy that was attacking them, but they were worried about the other town that was like, oh, their walls are busted down. We're gonna also go invade. Or all of the wild animals in the surrounding area coming in to their towns. They were worried about all kinds of things that could come in through these broken walls and and just cause hurt and pain. Cause all sorts of issues. And so, if it's relating us to the city in that situation, so if we're a city, us having a lack of self control is like us having no walls, us having no protection against outside forces, us having no, um, yeah, no walls up to keep things, to keep dangerous things coming in or leaving our body, right? Our minds, our souls. And so self-control is something that not only is it just focused on one aspect of our life, but it bleeds over into everything, right? Because if you have a lack of self-control in in your life, right, then like I said, that's like a city with its walls down. So anything can come in. You have a lack of self-control, man, maybe anger is going to slip into your heart without you knowing about it. If you have a lack of self-control, maybe addiction is going to slip into your heart without you knowing about it. Because your walls are down if you have no self-control. Self-control isn't just this thing that sits right here, but no, it bleeds over into every single part of our life. If you have no self-control, just like a city without walls, you're inviting anything into your life. Lust, gluttony, anger, uh, gossip, jealousy, anything, right? Addiction, like I said. You're letting all of that you're letting that have the opportunity to come and to invade your life. Like I said, when your walls are down, when your self-control is gone, you are inviting anything in. So from what scripture has told us, right, that seems to be pretty important. Self-control seems to be kind of a big deal. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but the way I read that it seems to be kind of a big deal. So obviously the writers of scripture, God through these people, believe it to be very important because it comes up time and time again. So why is it important, right? So I'm gonna have a couple of different points here that I think we can pull from scripture on why uh, self-control is important in our lives. And the first one we find, you don't have to flip there, but we find in Galatians 5.17 and James 4.1, right? And so the idea there is that self-control is important because we are at war with our own flesh, so we're told in scripture that, that your passions are at war inside you, right? We even see Paul multiple times say throughout the New Testament that like, man, I'm doing things that I don't wanna do. I don't want to do these things, but yet I continue to fall into that. Why, why am I doing that? It's because your, your flesh and your spirit are constantly butting heads. They're constantly just trying to go at each other. You have altering desires within you, right? Because our flesh is inherently evil, Our hearts are a liar, but our spirit, right? Our spirit is from the Lord. So it is good and it wants what is good, isn't it? And it wants us to do good and it wants us to serve and it wants us to love, but our flesh acts out of selfish desires all of the time. So our our flesh is constantly saying, no, we're gonna do this. And our spirit is constantly saying, no, I'm gonna do this. And so without self-control... That leads. That leads to our flesh getting footholds in our life, right? That leads to anger making its home in our heart. That that leads to uh, pornography and lust and gluttony and all of this other stuff and and gossip and and anger. Everything that leads to it giving or to, to us giving those things footholds in our life. And when we give the enemy footholds, we let our flesh win over our spirit. It causes bad things to happen. Absolutely, we serve a redeeming God who is definitely in the business of taking really, really messed up bad people and making really, really good things come out of that. But that doesn't mean that we can just stand by idly as our flesh takes over our life, right? We can't, we can't let our flesh have the steering wheel of our life because that just, that just wouldn't be a good thing, right? We all have that friend. Um, and if you don't have the friend, you are the friend, newsflash, spoiler alert, but we all have that friend that is a horrible driver that has had like six speeding tickets and has like totaled three cars. And like, I see a couple people raise their hands already. And like, every time they hit like a curb, they just, oops, and they just keep driving. And it happens like four times a day, right? Like, I can see that some of you guys are resonating and you guys are like, that's actually me. But this, this idea, that would be like us having that friend and saying, you know what? Why don't you, can you just come drive me around in my car? I don't want to drive today. So I, I would actually prefer you to be my driver today. That, that is the same idea as letting flesh into your life to, to drive your car, right? Letting, letting your flesh take the wheel and say, you know what, I'm going to drive this car today. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that, right? Why would you invite your friend who doesn't know how to operate a motor vehicle to operate your motor vehicle while your life is at stake? And while that's really funny, that's exactly what we're doing with our lives whenever we don't have self-control. Whenever we have no self-control, we're saying, hey, flesh, like, man, I know that you want to make these selfish choices and that you want to dive in to these sins of lust and of anger and of all of this stuff of malice. But you know what? I'm going to let you drive my life. I don't really want to. I don't really want to put forward the effort to to continue fighting against it. I'm going to let you drive my life today. (laughs) <laughs> why, why do we do that? It's so funny. It's not funny at all. It's so ironic, right? Of like, why Why do we continuously, it's a reoccurring theme in our lives. We let them, we let our flesh in, right? We let our flesh drive. So we have to stay on guard. We have to keep our city walls up, right? We have to make sure that we have self-control, right? Because as, as uh, Andy Mino says, the, the best rapper out there, as he says, he says, "If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready." right? So if you continue to have self-control, if you continue to be aware, and if you continue to not let your flesh take that driver's seat, I man, you don't have to, to continuously be like, "Well, crap, I did it again, and my spiritual car has been totaled for the fourth time this month." right? Like we don't want that in our lives. So self-control is important because we are at war with our flesh. Second, if you look at Proverbs 5.23, we learn that self-control is important because a lack of it leads to destruction. Destruction is actually a light word there because Proverbs 5.23 tells us that a lack of self-control leads to death. Destruction is a little bit lighter of a sentence than death, right? And so self-control is important because a lack of it leads to destruction or death, depending on how serious you want to be. But to continue the idea about the car, right? Inviting your friend who's really bad at driving into your car, you know very, very well that if you invite them into your car, chances are they're going to rear end somebody, they're going to run over the curb. They're going to get a speeding ticket. They're going to do something. It is going to lead to destruction. Just like we know that when we have a lack of self-control and whenever we let flesh into the driver's seat, that we are led to destruction. It's not just like a, well, 100% of the time when I do this, it leads to destruction. But let's see this time. Maybe it won't. <laughs> That's not how it works. It's, it is guaranteed We see it through scripture that whenever we have a lack of self-control, that it leads to destruction, that bad things happen. Proverbs 23, like I said, it says, he will die for lack of self-control. And because of his great foolishness, he is lost. It would be like you just randomly bringing in like, super dangerous things into your house just like one day you come home and like if I was to like walk in and be like hey babe I brought home some dynamite today I'm just gonna leave it on our kitchen table and then like the next day I walk in and this would really make her upset because she hates snakes but if I walked in with just like a venomous snake and was like hey I just brought this venomous snake I don't have a like a cage for I'm just gonna let it slither around our apartment Just like all of these choices that I'm making, I know very well are leading to something bad, but I continue to do them. The same way you're filling your home with these deadly things and expecting it not to lead to destruction is the same way that whenever we have no self-control in our lives and we don't expect it to lead to destruction, it's the same idea. When you have a lack of self-control, you are opening up your door and you're letting deadly worldly desires and thoughts and passions and sin into your life that will lead to destruction. It's not a, if it leads to destruction, it will lead to destruction. The past two reasons have been really, really negative reasons why self-control is important, which I I think, or why, yeah, why self-control is important. Which I think having negative reasons is logical because that's what scripture shows us, right? But I think that the third point is the greatest point, the most important point in my mind, because it is positive. But you guys ready for this? It's crazy. It's going to blow your guys' mind. Self-control is important because it reflects Jesus. That's crazy, right? Why, why, would, why would we do something that reflected Jesus? No, it's not crazy. That's what we're called to, right? And so we see that in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, which is Jesus in the wilderness. And we see that in Luke chapter 23, 23 through 46, which is the story of Jesus on the cross, <clears throat> right? And so scripture tells us so many times from his, his childhood all the way up through his ministry, <clears throat> how Jesus has self-control. And we even see that further in in God, right? In the rest of the scripture, right? Because we have the Trinity, Jesus and God, same person, three in one, Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, boom, Trinity. I don't quite understand it, but it's true. Look it up. Um, and so we even see that in, in God's character that he has self-control, right? And so it's not this thing that it's like, well, sometimes God has self-control or no. Sometimes Jesus in his life showed self-control, but no, all of the time, in his life, in his walk, if we look at the Gospels, we constantly see Jesus showing self-control. Jesus in the wilderness. I don't know if you guys know that story, but he goes into the wilderness to fast um, and to pray and just to, to reconnect and just to be close with the father. And so Satan actually comes and tempts him when he's in the wilderness and is trying to get, oh, well, if you do this, if you're really the son of God, and well, if you do this, I'll grant this whole land to you. And he gives him some pretty tempting things. He says, like, these are pretty good deals, right? Like he told him that he'll give him control of this whole land if he just does this little thing for him, right? But Jesus, with his self-control, said, no, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I, I know what is ahead of me. I know what the scriptures say. I know who I am and I know who my father is. He was tempted with so many things that, I, I can't speak for you guys, but so many things that chances are I would give into. He was tempted with that, yet he stood firm in his self-control he knew what the father was calling him to You even look even further than that. And you have Jesus on the cross. Do you know how easy it would have been? Cole and I were talking about how, like how stupid the idea is earlier, not earlier, but yesterday about how Jesus literally could have just been like, boom, I'm like, I'm off the cross and we're owning you guys with angel armies and all kinds of cool stuff. And we're kicking your guys' butts right now, but he didn't because he knew that he had to have self-control in that moment because he felt the pain right? He, he suffered through all of that. It's not like he magically just didn't feel any of it. No, he suffered. He felt the pain. He made sacrifice, but he had self-control in those moments. He could have easily said the word, brought down the fire, ended everything, went up to his throne, chilled out. That would have been easy, but he had self-control. Jesus is the most beautiful and the most straightforward example of self-control that we have throughout all of Scripture. Jesus' life was filled with self-control, and we are called to be reflections of Jesus, right? We are called to be a mirror to the world of who Jesus is. And so why would we not have self-control so, what do we actually do? How do we practice and exercise self control? I have just five super easy, quick steps that are not gonna be groundbreaking. None of you guys are gonna think, whoa, I've never thought about that. But just five quick ones, right? They come from Scripture. So, one, know what the Bible says about self control. If you don't know what the Bible actually says about self control, Tonight was awesome. We got to talk through that a little bit. But if you don't know, if you don't sit down and you don't study through what the Bible is telling you about self-control, you've already started off on the wrong foot. You have the wrong foundation in hopes to getting self-control. We have to know what Scripture says about self-control. Two, one of the things that you'll learn in Scripture that we've talked about tonight is that Self-control is not something we can muster up, right? It's something that we have to ask for, that we have to get help for. So secondly, ask for, the guidance, or ask for guidance and help of Holy Spirit, or from Holy Spirit, sorry. So ask for guidance and help from Holy Spirit. Like I said, as we have already learned tonight, this is not something that we can do on our own. It's not the fruit of Zach, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's stirred up in us by Holy Spirit, not by our own desires and our own longings. So ask him for help. He's going to give it to you. If you ask, you shall receive, right? So three, identify your triggers and remove them from your life. So this one might be a little bit uh, different. Maybe maybe you haven't heard of this or heard of it in different ways. So identify what makes you slip up in self-control and get that junk out of your life, right? So if a recovering alcoholic is trying to to not drink alcohol, they're not going to go sit at a bar and hang out with their friends. That's just not smart. That would be a trigger, right? So figure out what your triggers are. Remove them from your life. Four, invite your community into it the same as we do with anything as Christians, right? It's not groundbreaking. Any of your struggles, any of your, your sins that you're, that you're trying to fight through, any of that, you are called to invite your community into it. That doesn't mean that you have to come up here next week and say, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. I struggle with this sin and self-control and here's my list. But no, have a, a couple of close friends that are there to, to, to spur you on, to kick you in the butt when you need it, to love on you, to, to be community to you and invite them into it. Don't walk alone. Ask your fellow believers for help. And five, know that you will fail and remember Jesus and his grace. So again, know that you will fail and remember Jesus and his grace. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. Like we've talked about, like our flesh is there and it's trying to fight our spirit and we're gonna mess up and we're gonna slip. And and like I said, you can't wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, boom, I'm never gonna struggle with self-control again. Know that you're going to fail. Know that you're going to be lacking in self-control at times. But always remember grace when that happens. Right? Because we are not perfect. God does not expect us to be perfect. He knows that we are a flawed human being, which is why he sent Jesus to be with us. Right? And then why Jesus lived his perfect life, died on the cross, rose again, and then ascended is so that the Holy Spirit could come and could live in us. And so he knew that we were going to need a stink ton of help. He knew that if he was not to have sent his son and if the Holy Spirit would not come and reside in us, that we would not be able to do this. And so, again, know that you will fail and remember Jesus and his grace. Don't beat yourself up about it, guys. Self-control, like I said, it might seem like a small thing, right? It might seem super simple, um, but man, it's something that, that really bleeds over into everything. So I, mean, I really encourage you guys, figure out what the scripture says about it. Ask for guidance, ask for help from Holy Spirit. Identify your triggers, identify what messes you up, what makes you trip, get that junk out of your life. Invite your community into this fight, invite your community into this walk and know that you will fail, but always remember Jesus and his grace. I'm gonna pray for us real quick. Worship band's gonna lead us in a time of response. Um, just take a couple minutes, man, and just, just think through the areas of your life, maybe where, where you're lacking self-control. It could be something so simple as, as gluttony, right? Which we see as, oh, I just overate every single night for the past eight weeks. No, that's not just overeating sometimes, right? That's gluttony. That's a lack of self-control. It could be something as simple as that. It could be something, uh, I'm addicted to pornography. I don't have the self-control to stop. Both are sin, right? So evaluate your heart tonight. Evaluate your life. See where you're struggling. Ask the Father for forgiveness. Pray through it, man. Afterwards, find some people that you can walk through this with. You need to come talk to somebody. I'll be around. Cole will be around. Becca will be around. Deb will be around. Brandon, I don't know if he's going to stay, but find him and make him stay. Yeah. Love you guys. I'm going to pray for us. Hey, God, thank you for tonight. Um, and thank you for your word that's so convicting, but so good and so filled with grace and with love. Um, man, God, we, we just love you. And we know that, that we cannot muster up self-control on our own, God. So we just pray that, Holy Spirit, right now that you come into this place and you just fill our hearts, God. And just make us make us close with you this evening, Father. Let us know that, that we can always rely on you, Father. We love you. Pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at the Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.